calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. One breast was just pasted, and Diana Ross was... Loving it, and she just reaches oh over my the God. podium. She yes! jiggles the boob. She jiggles her pasted breast, <laughs> and I was like, "What was? Wait, what was that?" I'm diking out. You're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out. Diking out. Diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, the VH1 of queer podcasts. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with comedian Pamela Ross about music videos and hits from the 80s, 90s, and today. Turn around. You know it's been today for the last few decades. <laughs> it has. <laughs> Fun fact. Well... Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. It's something I'm going to keep saying until I know for a fact that every single one of you has given us a five-star review. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash out. We have uh, an extra episode every week. This week, we talk all about our Stonewall show and all the behind the scenes and after party stuff that happened. A lot of fun. You know, we're talking about Who's sucking whose boobs at Stonewall? Who's having bathroom sex? It's not me. Just to be clear, it's not me. Not in front of Joe McDaniel. No. I don't care if it's not Joe McDaniel's bar. No way am I. I actually will never have bathroom sex again. Right. And I ever since that episode with Joe McDaniel. Yeah. I feel like she's always watching now. Anytime I'm in a queer bar. Yeah, she she's in my ear. Yeah. Yeah. And she was there that night. And we talk all about it on the Patreon. For five dollars a month and that support goes such a long way. We would love to have more of you join us. And for ten dollars a month, you can join our Discord, which is uh so much fun. And we're thinking of maybe doing uh jackbox games. I don't know. I did a uh a quiplash show last night for mm. like non diking out stuff, but I think that would be a fun game to play with the patrons. Love quiplash, love quiplash, love Discord. Really yeah. into it. I'm learning I a know. lot. Like, did you know that 
Girl Scout cookies are made by various bakeries on two main ones. So our Thin Mints are known as different things in different states, like some states call them something else entirely, or the samosas are known as samosas in some states and otherwise known as caramel delights in other. I'm learning so much from the discord. Right. And and just like all different kinds of cookies are like some states have cookies that other states don't have. <laughs> I took Tis the, the most <laughs> benign thing. Like we're talking about sexier things on the Diking Out patron. There's a whole gender Discord. channel and you're yeah. like, did you know about, did you know about these cookies? <laughs> <laughs> the least queer thing. I know. Uh and oh, speaking of Stonewall, we're going to be back there next month, Monday, February 28th, the last Monday of the month with another great lineup. So be on the lookout for that. We'll have tickets on sale probably in a couple weeks. And speaking of a couple of weeks, I mentioned it last week, but I'm putting on um, a Valentine's Day show at Ginger's Bar in Brooklyn. It's called Love's a Pitch right on Valentine's Day, February 14th at 8.30. If you go to my Instagram at TGI Carolyn in the bio, there is a form that you can fill out if you want to participate. Whoa. Yes. Save the date, get a date. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping some people will find love. I'm hoping some comedians are going to sign up. I think we have some comedians that are going to be pitching themselves uh, for love. And guess who one of the panelists is going to be? Who? Is it Che Diaz? No. <laughs> Maybe. I'll try again. <laughs> I keep trying. I'm not going to let Che Diaz ruin my Valentine's Day by blowing me off because they're doing too much weed. All right. And they forgot all about it, you know. Uh, no, it's going to be Casey Tanner, queer sex therapist. Hell yeah. Will be on the panel asking participants questions as they go for a shot at love with not Tila Tequila. Speaking of us being the VH1 of... <laughs> Podcasts. Wow. I was trying to think. I was like, is there something that's a shot of love with Tila Tequila? But that's not that because Tila Tequila. Wildly problematic. Very like like a whole new brain. Um, not that we really knew the real. Maybe this was the real Tila Tequila all along. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Well. Carolyn. Yeah. It's that time. It's about that time. Give it to me. Stonewall was such a, a gay night in so many ways, but the gayest thing that happened this week happened for me a little bit right after Stonewall, but downstairs when we were all hanging out afterwards and I'm bopping around talking to all the different people and uh, Cecilia was with some friends and they all... Um, went on co-star and Cecilia didn't have co-star and they were all like looking at their compatibilities with each other. And, uh, Cecilia was like, Oh, you got to download it right now. I'm, I'm a pattern person. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't really been on, on co-star. So I, the next day downloaded co-star. Um, and yeah, I mean, what, what's gayer than getting on co-star and, um, you know, Cecilia and I adding you at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And Woke up the next morning to 
two consecutive friend requests. I was like, they're propositioning me. Um, (laughs) We cannot sleep together, but I'll allow the friendship on CoStar. No. uh, Wait, is CoStar? CoStar is not just for people trying to... No, I'm just kidding. Okay, because I started getting paranoid. I'm like, wait, is this going to be another thing where I'm like requesting friends on CoStar and people think I want to see like how compatible no, that's I am my with them for toxic other reasons? Trait. That's my okay. toxic trait. <laughs> Whenever someone adds me on CoStar, I'm like, they want to sleep with me and they want to see how it would go. Of course. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what time Cecilia was born. So her, um, her big three like i don't i don't know if i trust them like it sort of makes sense but um, you don't trust co-star you're saying no i don't trust um that cecilia knows her time oh, of birth that she was given um yeah. because a lot of people don't trust co-star as an app um right and yeah there's a lot in the astrology community do not mention that you like CoStar because you will get yelled at. Yeah. Um, Or I use Chani Nicholas's app. Um, Oh, yes, yes. She's great. People have asked us to get them uh, on the pod. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. um, They've been requested, so we'll look into that. So, Melody, what's your gayest thing? I mean, exactly that. I, after the show, went to get pizza with you and Cecilia. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God that was proposed. And Alina Street, um, I had been trying to get pizza all day. Um, Didn't (laughs) eat enough for the amount we were drinking that night. And then you revealed that all you had was a power bar. And I remember I screamed in your face, Carolyn, what's wrong with you? Get your coat. (laughs) We got to go. Because you had just done multiple shots. Um, I know. So, yeah, thank God for that pizza that did... um, I went from everyone asking if I was okay to treating me as an equal <laughs> after I had the pizza. <laughs> so that was good. Um, we For context, Melody was wearing sunglasses indoors. So, yeah, okay, let's keep was, going. <laughs> Melody was flying high, doing <laughs> shot. Oh, man. Okay, so we're having our pizza. Right. And then you and Cecilia are gobbling up the co-star charts of your friends, lovers, etc. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> and then of one I, person in particular one in particular Let's like, just okay i can that. say it all right all right good just keep it that vague <laughs> yes and then you pull up her chart and show it to me and alina you and cecile are on one side of the table and alina and i are the other and we lean in and look at it and we gasp and it was the, <laughs> the gayest gasp we've ever let out um in unison we both go oh wow because we have never seen a chart like this and this was why it was the gayest thing we immediately received everything we needed <laughs> we've never both talked to this person been introduced but we uh, suddenly ascribed so much personality to this person i remember being very pleased with myself by saying you know there's so much water and there's so much air i don't see any earth this is like a tropical storm of a person (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it was as if like cecilia and i had found like an old scroll in like an ancient language and we're like what what does this mean like we're both clueless and then you and alina are like (gasps) 
Oh, like, what does Dieu. it say? Are we gonna die? Like, what is going on? The reaction and like you two were both on such the same page. Yeah, and, like Alina looked so concerned. Yeah, she was so she got very serious concerned for us. And I'm like, it's okay. Like this, it's just astrology. Like we're fine. <laughs> we were like, protect your heart. Don't make <laughs> unnecessary journeys. <laughs> That's just a sound on TikTok. Um, yeah. Wow. So wow. yeah. Then we it turned very serious. It went from <laughs> fun astrology app nonsense to please tread lightly and protect your heart and just really, really check in with each other and yourselves and. <laughs> Just off a just off of a probably wrong chart because CoStar has been known to get those wrong. So right, that was right. silly. I know. Alina was like, imagine if your friends were telling you this and you saw this chart. Like, what would you tell them? <laughs> I'm like, I don't what? <laughs> I, I wanna know. Oh, uh, we clearly take astrology a lot more seriously. It was so gay. So gay. Uh, you know what else is gay? Music videos. They're also straight. Music videos have no sexuality. But today we are diking out about them with comedian Pamela Ross. She is a New York City-based comedian and writer. She's performed in festivals across the country, including Limestone, uh, Women in Comedy, Boston Comedy, and Out of Bounds. Her writing has appeared in places like McSweeney's, Yahoo, some e-cards, and Upworthy. Let's get into it. Woo! Pamela Ross, thank you so much for joining us today to dike out about music videos. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Now, some of our listeners might be like, what is a music video? I know, right? Um, Oh, no. Like uh, TikTok on TV? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like a a professional TikTok on TV. TikTok, except everyone has talent. Everyone can actually (laughs) sing. (laughs) Well, not everybody. There's a budget. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we can talk about that too. But there's yeah. okay. a budget behind it. It looks good. And it's an important promotional tool for music, which people used to buy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All that and more very soon. First, let's talk to you. Let's let's find out a little more about you. Let's start with your week, though. Yeah. Um, we're just really dying to know what's the gayest thing you did this week. <laughs> oh, you know what? The gayest thing I did this week was wash my sex toy with a foaming tea tree cleaner. There it is. <laughs> that I bought at a bougie upscale uh, sex shop called the Pleasure Chest. Ooh, nice. Which you may be Heard of familiar it. with mm-hmm. if you're, you know, in the city, been to the city. Yeah. And let me tell you, it is a big purple glittery dildo slash vibrator and yes i've used it with a lady to great effect okay whoa (laughs) count it uh i love that now hold on because tea tree oil i've used not to clean sex toys with but i i have used like on my hair and my face wash it leaves a tingling sensation right that's what i was thinking i'm a little bit worried about how that would feel on your nether regions. Yes. So what you do is it's foaming. So you can just like spray it on a, you know, paper towel or a cloth. You wash whatever you have. You use it on like silicone toys. Yeah. 
and then you have to rinse it off. So it's not, you do have to rinse it. <laughs> okay. But it doesn't linger like, like jalapenos or anything like that. Like No, it leaves a wonderful mild scent, but it does not linger, okay. thank God. Great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it could be a cool sensation. It feels great on my head, but I just sometimes wonder down there. You You're know. a little traumatized from the time you and Cecilia had tacos and she had jalapenos yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it's happened a couple times in my life, you know, so now I'm always very... And I feel like maybe one time there was maybe some type of like a tea tree oil or like some type of lotion hand thing incident um, as well. So, but that's good to know that, that that is a premium way of cleaning your toys, which we should all do regularly. She's a bougie one. (laughs) Miss Connecticut. I in the house, Miss Massachusetts, Miss Miss Connecticut. Yeah. Connecticut. Very Connecticut. Went to college in Massachusetts. That's it. Another terrier in the house. For grad, yeah, for grad school. I went to college in for Maine grad school. randomly. Why? Okay. I don't <laughs> like, I always say, not only am I not outdoorsy, I'm not outsidesy. Okay. I don't want I like to be in a, a covered structure. Right. People would be like skiing across the quad. And I was like, what happened? No, what really? Happened? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you design your own major? Because I feel like that's the only option in Maine. I know. Like every school, you have to design your own major. No, I actually, right? I just did English. I did a regular art okay. mental major. And Great. It's, uh, it was it was fun. Yeah, nothing fancy. Of course, I did some women and gender studies. Of course, I did. Of course. And you are currently a comedian in New York, which is how we all know each other. Yes. <laughs> I love when we get a comedian we know. Yes. I mean, as much as we can all be comedians right now. Right. You know, yeah. we're all doing our best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Though I do feel like once things started opening up, when I started like reemerging back into society and going into the city, I ran into you like a few times at, at shows. I think like this summer, everybody was so excited and be like, let's go to as much as possible before shit gets dark again. <laughs> I was so excited just to be out. And I yeah. do remember running into you at Metropolitan. Yeah. yeah. That was a fun night. Ugh, was, love that, that was, bar. That was so fun. <laughs> I had a great time. Yeah. I love it. They have that beautiful outdoor area that I had never been. I love that back. outdoor yeah. area. Yeah. One of yeah. the best in the city. This is a gay bar in Brooklyn for all listening who don't know. You used to have a ladies night. Oh, really? Before it, I think the, the woods... Like the old school woods, like that used to be um, a metropolitan. I think it was like Wednesdays at Metropolitan because that's where Elliot Page back in the day used to go out and scout for hotties. Mm. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. This is like, yeah, yeah. NYC queer nightlife history. Yeah. Yeah. There's always someone at Metropolitan. Um, I was there. Um, in the fall or like summer. And after I'd left, a friend texted me that Casey Musgraves was there. It was like a Sunday <gasps> night at Metropolitan. Great. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty legendary bar. It's right off the Lorimer stop for those of you in New York. Mm-hmm. It's right off Lorimer. And it was Gary's Tuesday show. And then they have gay karaoke, which is a huge thing there. Queerioke. Yes. Yes. Where Gary roasted me because the one time I actually did it, 
Uh, he made fun of me for singing What's Up by Four Non Blondes. And he's like, <laughs> oh, usually we were like, of course, some lesbian is going to go up and sing the lesbian national anthem at some point, And I can't believe it was you tonight. <laughs> the way that I sang that song to myself earlier today <laughs> in the kitchen, making my Whoa. one minute oats, thinking about Lisa Perry's gay ass. Uh, yes she, i mean like i'm sorry she's such an iconic speaking songwriter. of music videos speaking of yeah. fucking witch yes let's get into it yeah music videos why did you want to talk about this topic i'm a big like i'm a big media nerd i'm a big consumer of media i mean obviously like we've talked so much about tv already <laughs> in the past but it also makes me nostalgic. It's something that I miss. It's a form of media that we don't talk. It's very rare that we talk about it. Um, right. There have been some big music videos that I think were effective promotional tools the past few years. It's exciting to see a lot of them coming from Black and queer artists like Cardi B and Lil Nas X, for example. Yeah. Right. Um, which is great. But for the most part, like the be- last big music video artist that I think of is... Uh, a certain era of like Lady Gaga, like probably peaking with Bad Romance. That was a really big video. But that came out when I was in college. Right. I was thinking like Beyonce single ladies for me was like one of the last like iconic music videos of that time before Mm -hmm. all dance videos got put on moved and on to tiktok she just went on her own and put out a visual album yeah. and then like things right, right. started to change like in mm-hmm. general right for the format sure like fo- formation obviously was like such a like big important video but it wasn't like the way that single ladies was mm-hmm. so like such a thing yeah single such ladies a is video. like culture defining transcends just the medium of of a music video like it's wild yeah Beyonce I guess I think of her as different from like by the time she put out Lemonade I do think it premiered on MTV at the same time that it was released I think they did that like in conjunction with each other if I'm remembering correctly but Beyonce doesn't need MTV at this point MTV needs Beyonce she's got title okay (laughs) (laughs) so she so to me I'm like it it's, it's I'm into music videos, but I'm also like, remember when we watched music videos on TV? Remember when you just turn on the TV right. and you'd be like, I was a big TRL girl. I was watching the countdowns. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. I voted, I would use a landline to vote for TRL music videos. Me too. I voted for more music videos than I've ever voted for elected officials. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Like, do you remember that? Like, what were you? I remember voting for for, Michelle Branch videos. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of being a young queer woman with feelings. Yeah, I voted for Alicia Keys. Let's talk about a music video that when I fallen, that music video was a big queer awakening. Yeah. That soft butch moment. Wow. I remember voting for that. I was definitely trying to vote for... Do you remember when there used to be just like these campaigns to vote for these uh, underdog videos that had no business being in in the top (laughs) 10? So I would be like really into that. Um, And then I'm also the idiot that probably was like, Tom Green bum bum song. Like, let's get it in there. Can't watch it enough. (laughs) 
the bum bum video iconic so there are like categories of music videos i feel like that made a music video successful so there's like choreography right a dance that everybody's trying to learn like a single ladies or um britney spears um all of the boy bands making the video was huge dance centric i would say meh. To me, Janet, Janet and Madonna pioneering the idea of a number in a music video. Oh, and Michael Jackson. What am I talking about? Or it was yeah. like, there's going to be choreo. And yes, I can dance. Yes. Okay? Yes. That is going to be. They, it was the video as also like, better go see me live. Because you're this, you're this is only a taste of what you're getting. Right. Mm. You know, yes, we want you to buy the album or the single, but come see me live. Like it was also used as that kind of promotional tool, I think. And then there were like the edgy videos that were always trying to like push it in, in some kind of way, or that was really, um, it didn't even have to be edgy, just like something like super different, like Jamiroquois virtual insanity, where you're like, Whoa, what's going on here? Cool. The future. <laughs> that. Oh, Janet and Michael scream. Oh, scream. Yeah. I would say that that falls into that. The most expensive music video ever made at that point. Right. Also, <laughs> Janet's doesn't really matter. Uh, yes. With the Japanese apartment and everything. Yeah. So the budgets for, for these videos were insane at one point. Like, mm -hmm. I can't imagine anybody getting even close to that kind of a budget for a music video anymore. No. No, no, no record label that you were might be signed to would ever bother doing that. Now they're like, right. They'd spend that money on promoting you on like digital advertising on. They'd, they'd probably be like, do you want to partner with with Blue Chew on TikTok or like whatever? <laughs> like They would pay an influencer to lip sync to your song like that's. I yeah. feel like how a record label was, that's their ad spend now. Yeah. I yeah. just uh, saw a music video that was like pretty basic, not, didn't look huge budget. It was like Kim Petras coconuts in the music video. It's pretty stripped down and she's doing such a basic dance. I love Kim Petras, but it is a very easy dance that is so clearly being like, and this is what we're going to do on TikTok. And then sure enough, yeah. she dropped the video and was like, and remember to do the coconuts challenge like on TikTok and we're going to just traffic uh, it there. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's not like no. it used to be. I used to watch pop-up video on VH1 a lot. Um, yes. So because I wasn't allowed to watch MTV because it was fresh. But my mom would be like, <laughs> but you can watch VH1? Why? It's like, <laughs> it's just music videos all day and pop-up video. And it's like just a little sexier in that it's like adult contemporary, like kind of sexy. It was less raunchy for a while. VH1 did seem a lot more tame. They caught on though. It got raunchy. Yeah. And then it got out of control with like the reality, the reality. of it all. Right. It was MTV's more respectable and probably less influential, like, step cousin. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking, I, don't know, I would literally go to my cousins and watch MTV after school every day. And that's when we would vote and watch TRL. And then I'd have to, like, pack it up and go home and then put on VH1 for a pop-up video marathon. And that was more like Shania Twain. Oh, Let's go, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Those like, videos. MTV, I'm voting for juveniles. Back that thing up on TRL. Right. 
while I'm like changing into my ballet leotard after school. <laughs> then, you know, you turn on VH1 and they're like, this is a Goo Goo Dolls song, you know? <laughs> yes, VH1 and Goo Goo Dolls are one and the same. The same. And VH1 also had like, it gestured towards like educational programming. They'd be like, 40 best videos of the 80s. And it's like, well, now I'm learning because I wasn't alive. Honestly. <laughs> you know? That is true. Yeah. I mean, Melody, I, I feel for you for, for not being able to watch MTV because like that was so much of all people talked about. And I remember having like one friend who whose parents like took MTV off the cable package and she would just be so annoyed whenever we would talk about this stuff. She's like, Ugh, can we talk about anything else other yeah. than music videos and MTV? I'm like, no, but that was like every week there's like a new music video coming out that, you know, is the big thing that everybody is talking about. Yeah. I would sneak it, but it was, uh, it was tough. It was too fresh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a huge part of my sexual awakening was MTV spring break and the VMAs. Okay. The VMAs. The 1999 VMAs. Diana Ross, Lil' Kim, Mary J. Blige come out to present an award. Lil' Kim is in that outfit, that purple glittery outfit of like yes. purple scallops. And then one breast, it was like... The pasty, yeah. One breast was just pastied. And Diana Ross was loving it and she just reaches oh over my the God. podium she yes! jiggles the boob she jiggles her pasted breast <laughs> and i was like what was wait what was that you just unlocked <laughs> why did that why was that memory buried like it's I like forgot it's that huge too. i have chills oh my gosh that was yes huge for me that titty jiggle and i thought wow where can i see more of that do i keep watching mtv because i'll do it Right. And I think because MTV wasn't allowed it, and it was fr like that, it started to become like my porn. Like I was just like, that's what that is then. And that's where I go because it was like puberty's coming in and I just got to see these <laughs> bodies. Well, it's, <laughs> and that, very, it's very sexy. Less covered the, yeah. in chiffon than over on VH1. <laughs> yeah, VH1 was like, we're going to... VH1 was about sensible shoes and yeah, the, kind of of, curtains. the kind of clothing that drapes. A lot of drapery. Yeah. And MTV was like, do you want to see like br bronze dabs? Because you can. You might have to watch for a little bit and wait. You know, you sit through the Blink 182 and the Puff Daddy. Oh my God. And then you're like, Britney Spears crazy video. Oh, I'm paying attention now. <laughs> that was another great making the video. Yeah. I feel like music videos really pioneered like women being super like overtly sexual and sensual and taking off a lot of their their clothing in a way that maybe they didn't in concert or even like on their album covers and stuff like that but I mean I was a big Madonna fan as everyone knows so Madonna and her sexuality and sensuality and like how big she was on MTV starting like in the 80s and then like her video, Justify My Love, <laughs> was so raunchy that it only appeared on MTV three times after 10 p.m. And then it couldn't air it anymore. Oh, yeah. And that has the same sex kiss in it's it. It's so funny to me when people are like, ugh, Cardi B and Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion, they're all being disgusting in these music videos and their performances. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh, you have this yeah. is nothing. Okay, what Madonna was doing in the eighties was considered blasphemous and a, a yeah, threat right. to the moral fabric of the United States. Like the Vatican condemned, condemned her, <laughs> like a prayer. Yeah. I mean, even before all that, like in 1982, in 1982, there's a Duran Duran video, The Chauffeur. Have you seen that? No. I mean, look it up. It's like, it's lesbian porn. Mm. (laughs) Like it was out there. But MTV, maybe that was pre like MTV putting really out there. And it was more of like an art music video. I mean, MTV wasn't around until the 80s. So they weren't. MTV wasn't automatically a popular channel. There's a super long, I'm going to Google it, a super long, like, it's the oral history of MTV. It's called I Want My MTV by Rob Tannenbaum. It's almost 600 pages, but it's the whole behind the scenes. uh, Yeah, the uncensored story of the music video revolution. And it gets into like the nitty gritty of just the origin of the channel. And it gets into the history of the music video because it just wasn't, it had to be invented at a certain point. <laughs> what a crazy time. And now it just plays ridiculousness 24-7. <laughs> right. That is like the trope. I mean, com- comics complain about that like all the time. They're like, how many times do I have to turn on MTV2 and see a skateboarder doing comedy? Comedy in, <laughs> in quotation marks. Right. But but they did bring back TRL, I thought. I don't even know what happened. Did it go anywhere? I doubt they... I don't think they even actually played the full music videos. But but that also happened with regular TRL. Like, that was a sign that our attention spans were waning, that it, it used to be they would play all the videos, and then it was like, oh, they would only play, like, 30 seconds of every video until they got to, like, the top three or something like that. And maybe one got a full playthrough well trl would have the programming what i mean it wasn't that complex but they would have interviews with artists who'd visit the studio yeah an unhinged mariah carey uh with her ice cream cart <laughs> yeah skipping up to carson so daily they did reboot trl in in 2017 is it still going no i don't believe yeah, so what what would they even do i remember like coming to new york city and wanting to like wait in Times Square and just like stare up from Times Square Same. at the at the window just to see like who I could spot, like what celebrity could I maybe see if the sun wasn't glaring off the glass. <laughs> Remember the shout outs that would play yes. during the video? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Are we are we just sounding old? You know what? You know what was an important queer moment in the history of music television was Carson Daly's painted nails, <laughs> just clutching that, yes! clutching that mic, that big ass uh, mic ahead of the curve. Yes. Every well, every boy, every straight and bi boy in Bushwick owes him so much, and they don't even right, know. right. They don't even know. That makes me think of who wants to be a VJ, at least the first one of that, when um, who I thought should have been the winner, but he's doing fine. Dave Holmes was gay. And I had no Mm -hmm. idea until years later, because it's still like it was still the 90s at that time. So you still had to be like pretty closeted if you wanted any type of career. But then the person who did win over him was just like the most flamboyant 
Jesse Camp, Camp, who went to boarding school in Connecticut. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, my God. That's right. Who went to Lewis Chafee. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, his whole thing was like, I'm a Lower East Side street kid. And I was like, yeah, no, no, No. you're from the nutmeg state. But I loved that he was like this wayfish. He had long hair, (laughs) vaguely androgynous, and he seemed like he would smell. And I was very attracted to that. (laughs) yep he definitely seemed like he would smell he also definitely seemed like he was on drugs all the time uh and people say that that was just his thing like that was the that was just how his mannerisms that's his vibe yeah so i mean some people are like that tweaking which is hilarious (laughs) yeah tweaking tweaking out (laughs) dave holmes is doing a podcast right now called waiting for impact about this group that okay boys to men we all know and love boys to men in their motown philly video there is another group called max i think maximum impact that's like introduced as part of like their record labels family you know they said synergy we're gonna get this up and coming group in the music video for boys to men and then the group like never did anything so he's just been doing a deep dive, doing research into what happened to this group, this art 90s R&B group that was supposed to be the next big thing and never took off. Very interesting. That's a plug for Dave's mm. home, Dave Holmes' second podcast. Nice. So it's a, it's a where are they now for like nobody's ever asked where are they now except for Dave Holmes. <laughs> that is the perfect uh, long line for the podcast. Love it. <laughs> where were they in the first place? Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. One thing, too, that kept me coming back for for music videos was that that was one of the few places where you would see queer content. If it wasn't like, you know, of course, in a lot of like, hip hop videos, there'd be um, a lot of like queer baiting or like male gaze type stuff. But, you know, famously Jill Sobiel's video, I Kissed a Girl. We have a whole episode with Jill where we talk about that and how uh, insane that was at the time to have like a video like that and how like groundbreaking it was. And it didn't get like that much play. But if you watch it, like, during the day, you know, when you should be at school or something. Like if I had a sick day at 2 p.m., I kissed a girl would always come on and be like, what? She she can just say that? Like she, what? Why aren't they showing it? Uh, Why is Fabio in this video? (laughs) Um, Also, Aerosmith's crazy video (gasps) with 
Liv Tyler and Alicia Silverstone. Like Alicia Silverstone is like in drag at one point and Liv Tyler is like on stage at a strip club, like stripping for her. Right. What was that? Why did it ruin me? Um, <laughs> but also why was it for her dad's music, music video? video? I know. Music video. I was like, as we recently mentioned. What's going on there? But oh man. What an iconic. It was so hot. That one did make it to VH1, I'll say. Played a yes. lot yes. over there. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I think VH1 was just all Shania Twain, Goo Goo Dolls, and Aerosmith. Absolutely. And I loved him for it. Okay. And Matchbox 20. Yeah. <laughs> I had the Dizzy Up the Girl album. Yeah. I loved it. I remember watching. They're also just gorgeous straight women offering themselves up in right. these videos. I was right. like, Woo, if you had my love, that Jennifer Lopez video, which is very low concept. She's just kind of, <laughs> she's walking around and it's her first. As is Jennifer Lopez. Is kind of low concept. Is that mean? The concept say? is that she's hot. Yeah. And listen, it's working for me. Yeah. It was her first <laughs> single from her album On the Six. Yes. A train that I sometimes take. So in some ways, Jennifer Lopez and I are exactly alike. And it was just her walking around a vaguely futuristic set, just in different white outfits, being gorgeous and lip syncing. Yeah. (laughs) I was Mm -hmm. completely in love with her. And then Madonna had a video, this would play on VH1 a lot, for Beautiful Stranger, which is on the Austin Powers soundtrack. First of all, I love that song. It's a bop. Yes, Mm -hmm. it is. And she's dancing around the stage again low, very low concept but she's dan- dancing around the stage being madonna and at one Swaying. point she like grabs her own breasts and breasts. i was like wait what yes she's grabbing her breasts and at point she like squats down kind of just like thrusts her pelvis into the camera and there's like this low angle shot like coming up on her and she's just like thrusting at the camera for me the madonna video <laughs> that like definitely like if i wasn't gay yet i was after um take a bow where she's just in like sexy lingerie just like rolling around in sheets in a bed um yeah just like touching herself and it's like this beautifully shot video and there's like bullfighting in it and it's like very artistic but also she's so hot in it Ugh. like to me that's like the peak of madonna's hotness is that music video um just i feel like that should have been allowed on tv that no she's too hot too sexy it shouldn't be allowed madonna knows sex madonna knows yeah how to be sensual and how to play to the camera in a way that is so alluring and fucking charismatic she is like such like a creature she's so good at the visual medium aspect of it and holy shit she understands the the impact that her own sensuality and kind of comfort in her own physicality has, you know? Yeah. I mean, she just is sex and she is sexual agency. And the Justify My Love video is so hot. <laughs> and it's in black and white, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. That was really, there were always, they were, that video was always, they show snippets of it, right? Right. It's super bi, right? There's all this like bi content. Oh, yeah. There's like, Everyone's androgynous. It's a lot of like BDSM, um, like get mask like stuff going on. It was um, always on the 
it was always like the top 20 sexiest videos of all time. That was always on right. there. So it's that Wicked Games by Chris Isaac. Right. And a bunch of other stuff that was, and sometimes it would be kind of goofy stuff like. Uh, oh, George Michael's Freedom. Yes. Because it was all the all models. The I mean, that that's the thing, too. It's like music videos would give us this like sexual like we're all like hormonal teenagers, like looking for anything that's like remotely sexy on network TV. But then at like MTV, like this is where it all is. It's all in the music videos. Like you don't have to watch a whole season of this show just because there's like one like <laughs> naughty scene in it or whatever. I don't know. I'm trying to think like that's why I was watching Melrose Place. Um, like, for Portia de Rossi? Just for like any any type of like adult sexy content because I'm just young and I'm like, give me more. I'm so curious. What's more of this? But music videos is where you would kind of see that all, all play out. And they would kind of fly under the radar. My parents didn't know what I was seeing in these videos. And they... Right. It's Or, or what I was seeing on Spring Break. It's it, very good that they didn't know. Spring break, like on MTV spring break or yes. on, yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it looked like an orgy. Though. They would just have wet t-shirt <laughs> con- contests. And yeah, I was like, wow, you were you were seeing the outlines of women's n- nipples and, and vulvae. Yeah. And I was paying attention. <laughs> You literally see a nipple, right? And justify my love. There's like someone in suspenders over their boobs, but like you can see their nips. Yes. And, and again, <laughs> how sexually androgynous, how fashion. Yeah, like that, like Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis looking one with like, that's the one yeah. I'm thinking of. That's why that one stood out with the suspenders. <laughs> it was very like, um, like Helmut Newton, like a very yeah. androgynous, like fit woman being like, I'm going to mm-hmm. wear a bowler hat and suspenders over my aerial eye yeah they're like oh yeah definitely definitely. (laughs) don't gotta justify that anyways um (laughs) nailed it bye goodbye (laughs) a couple of other videos that came to mind in terms of like you know couldn't watch them enough was a garbage um the world is not enough where shirley manson kisses herself in it and I think that one had a making the video of because I remember mm. there was like a deep dive and I'm like, oh, this is great. So now I get to see like how they made her kiss herself. Um, this is exciting. <laughs> and then tattoo all the things she said, which was like the ultimate like queer bait. The ultimate. Horrible, horrible to know that like they're actually both very incredibly homophobic. <laughs> we're just forced to do all that for, for money. Yeah, they're they're like Russian Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just what a time. The Russian government was like, this, we're going to we're going to send this content to America and we're going to ruin all the <laughs> all the youth. Ruined me. Do. That came out like right when I was going through puberty. That music video. Yeah. Like, right then. <laughs> Man, I mean. Yeah, never have I related to Russians more, and it was all a lie. <laughs> Always. I was like, yes, all the things she said are running through my head. <laughs> Always. Oh, yeah. Insanely blatant queer baiting. Um, I also loved, I mean, I guess she's straight, but I to me, Pink is a queer musical icon. Oh, 
No, she's gay. <laughs> no, listen, she had us thinking she was gay and she had us thinking she was black. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, but I'm serious. I'm ser- no, like, but I'm serious too. <laughs> I okay, that first album and she's talked about this. It was it was um LA Reed their their whole image was LA that LA told me you'll, you'll be, be a, pop, a star. pop star all you have to change is everything you are aka your race and orient I don't know <laughs> play with like, gender you're gonna be her thing was like sort of a tough androgynous or like urban right. she was like urban coded urban yeah 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 and all the promotion and that first album was very like R&B influenced much mm-hmm. more than I think her later releases, which were more like pop rock kind of when she like linked up with Lisa Perry and all that stuff. But the first album, I legitimately thought she was a light skinned black woman because I exactly I lived in Same. Connecticut and I'd met like Same. three black people <laughs> and they but they wanted you to kind of think that like, I don't yeah. know how explicit it was, but no. She- <laughs> It was all intentional <laughs> and like, well, listen, yeah, they, they tricked me. The, sometimes advertising works and they, they tricked me into thinking she was black and I bought the album. The first album's fine, but I loved There You Go. I love that song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I loved that video. They did. Yeah. That, that was a making, making the video. Yeah. So there's a an advocate interview from years ago from uh ooh, almost let's say ni- 9 years ago and Pink says um I've had a lot of my gay boys around but my gay girls are my root stock. <laughs> what a lesbian thing to say. Root. Um <laughs> they're my honesty and an ocean of bullshit. I should be gay by the way that I look and the way that I am. <laughs> That I am the way that I am the way that I am. I should be gay. Okay, um, I just happen to not be, but it just makes perfect and complete sense if you take into consideration everything about me inside and out. <laughs> I loved my little girlfriends, and we kissed, and we had a great time, and we held hands. <laughs> When I first moved to Los Angeles, I was an honorary lesbian of Los Angeles. I wasn't gay, but all my girlfriends were. (laughs) So, no, it wasn't a big deal for me when a tabloid comes out and says that I was bisexual. It's like, what? That wasn't my truth. And I like truth. I like absolute truth. Okay, so Pink is basically she's like so she's like she doesn't know what gay means. She doesn't know what truth means. <laughs> oh my god. Pink. Yeah. I do you know that she proposed so Carrie Hart, her husband, the father yeah. of her children, she he's like a professional mo- motocross guy. Right. Gay, extreme sports. And <laughs> she proposed to him while he was like on a motocross course. She like held up signs proposing to him. <laughs> Which I think is yeah. gay. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like she can say what she wants, but to me, she's gay culturally in a cultural yeah. sense. Yeah, just like they made her culturally urban. 
I've been thinking about her a lot. And that's the race part of it. There's an Instagram or a TikTok account, Culture Unfiltered, that did a little like deep dive on her and how she was coded to yeah. be black. <laughs> Whenever people say the name of that K-pop group, Blackpink, I just see her first album cover. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you say Blackpink and I see in my mind's eye pink with those those glasses, the short sort of spiky the pink hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They put her in like bikini tops. That were dreaded at one point. Yes. Too. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> she's, what she's saying is that she was actually, the original L word is based on her life. She's like, I was basically yeah. <laughs> gay in Los Angeles. I'm like, what? She's the one that was stalking Shane and put up the billboards. <laughs> on <Sunset>. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, TikTok, I feel like has replaced so much of like what music videos used to do and in a way that I don't find to be nearly as compelling um, because there is nobody like curating it necessarily to have like the good stuff. Like it's just all based on algorithms and, and whatnot. But like TikTok is where you get kind of like that behind the video it's like people with like explainers and like breaking down things but then it's also people doing like choreography to music and that's where a lot of people hear new like I hear it so much lately that people are like looking for music recommendations that aren't just songs on TikTok I'm like I think that's all people listen to now are the sounds that are the songs that are big on TikTok are like driving mm-hmm. yeah what's popular it's weird I think we had MTV but there's so much bad that comes with that and then with like tiktok i think people think tiktok is this generation's mtv and that's a good thing but what do we want like industry gatekeepers of our generation or the chinese government and its algorithms (laughs) (laughs) running tiktok you can't even say lesbian on it yeah (laughs) la bean like so (laughs) which one which one's better I feel like right. people just like there's this scene in the other two in this the second season where Brooke is supposed to be finding the next Chase Dreams, the next like young pop star. So all she does is goes on TikTok and yeah. scrolls through and writes on if a kid can sing, she just writes, Move to New York, I'll represent you. <laughs> and then yeah. <laughs> and I feel like TikTok has like consolidated, like if you're an industry person, you can just kind of go on YouTube, like how they found Justin Bieber, I guess, how Scooter Braun right. found him. You can go on YouTube, you can go on TikTok and being like, okay, who's like hot and already kind of popular that I can, it's not like you're, you aren't being plucked from obscurity necessarily anymore. You're being plucked from right. what whatever the algorithm is like serving up to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's weird that like, yes, it's cool that you can build your own platform as an individual who like doesn't have representation necessarily, or like comes from a background that, you know, the industry has overlooked for a long time or something, but it's also fucking weird. Yeah. It's actually, it's still the same. Like the industry and how it worked before with like how the algorithm chooses who it pushes out to people is still like it favors conventionally attractive, able bodies, white, lighter skin right. faces, uh, just like agents and yeah. network executives or industry like label execs. <laughs> it's like the gaze of the industry has just been automated. 
Right. Exactly. Right. That's <laughs> okay. It. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's it. But I felt, and and maybe it's because I'm an old. Um, I felt like the the industry did kind of do it better though, like because there there was like an actual whole team behind it because you have things like, um, yeah, before TikTok it, it was YouTube. And you do you remember that video that was viral with um, I think his name was Grayson Chance, who sang paparazzi at his school's talent show or whatever and like Mm -hmm. just kills it. And then Ellen has him on her talk show. And then Ellen, for whatever reason, has a record label and signs (laughs) Grayson Chance to her record label. And it's like. What what's he doing? Like, I know that he has like somewhat of a following, but you know, had had it been like a more traditional route for him, like he could have actually maybe had a lot more success than these people being like plucked up by these like obscure like celebrities or like brands that are just getting people and being like, oh, this person's big on TikTok quick, like Coca-Cola, make them a Coca-Cola artist, whatever. <laughs> and it's like this person could have been like the next Britney Spears and um, because they just like we're offered big money for being viral once like Mm -hmm. and and you can't turn that down I have very old school sensibilities when it comes to the industry so like when it comes to showbiz and entertainment (laughs) like I love the fact that for example Britney Spears as much as like yes as like a young pop star like she was commodified and she was subject to the pressures of her own team and the industry at large that wanted to, you know, offer her up as this like young, like set, like barely legal sex object. But listen, she had fucking training. Okay. She was a triple threat who also could do gymnastics. And she, that was a big thing for her growing up in Kenwood. And she was literally a fucking understudy on Broadway Like Mm -hmm. she has like walked the boards. She there's actual, and then she was doing the Mickey Mouse club, super young. She was like, yeah, initially I think turned down when she auditioned, they were like, you're good, but you're fucking too young. She was a baby. I love the, I'm like, I'm very old school when it comes to that thing. So I like that as much as she became a huge pop star at a very young age and there was a whole industry machine behind it because she was signed to Jive. Um, which signed a lot of those big pop acts. Right. She still like had training and like was still good. Like she was still impressive in the room. And now, mm-hmm. now yeah. someone like, I don't know, like Addison Ray. I was just going to say that one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there is a, he, there is a difference. Yeah. Yeah. As much as Britney was, although I do think if there's a 2022 version of Britney out there, I think, you know, I do think the algorithm would make her famous as well. Right. And there isn't, there won't be because she's, she can't be replicated. This is me being like a defensive millennial. I'm like, you'll never have what we had. (laughs) So don't even try. No, I mean, you're, you're reminding me too, that there is um, so much that's like toxic about, the industry, I mean, the the Whitney Houston of it all that, you know, they like were just so controlling and demanding of her that that led to her her demise um, and and fueled her, you know, eating disorder and drug use and, and all of that. So, yeah, when, when I say that, like, 
I'm definitely not for that part part of, of the industry. And I guess there's trade-offs to everything that now, you know, if you are a TikTok star, like you have a little bit more like agency over yourself and, and your career and, and what you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. Which I'm so heartened by. And there are people of yeah. that generation who never like who somehow never succumbed to like the ravages of the industry. Like I always think about and maintain some kind of control of their career. Like I always think about Beyonce, like right. she yeah. found a way to make the industry work for her instead of letting yeah. the industry use her as a workhorse and burning her out by the time she was yeah. 25, you know, but she's an exception. And she's also like, so disciplined, you know? Right. So disciplined and controls her image very tightly. She's never been like a tabloid fixture. She's kind of known for that. Yeah, you're right. She's, she's the best example of that. Probably. I mean, I used to also think going back to, um, Madonna, that Madonna never, you know, um, had any issues in terms of like heavy drug use or, um, stints in rehab or, or anything like that. But do you remember, I don't know what, award show that it was where Madonna just names like George Michael, Prince, Amy Winehouse, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, but I'm still standing here, bitches, or something like that. It's like the most grotesque, like, I'm like, "Mm." was it the, was it the AMAs? I could Google this. Was it the American Music Awards? I'm not sure. It might have been. I don't know. It's just like Madonna's become so cringe. The past 10 years is it's just like so bad, but it's moments like that. The past week. Have you seen her <laughs> hanging out with the Kanye? Yeah. Mm. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. I missed that. Yeah. Check it out. They all look so faded. It's like a late night hang with um Kanye on his like publicity tour trotting out his um new fling. Julia Fox. The, is that her name? Julia Fox, who I'm in love with, to yeah. be clear. Yeah. But I have to be honest, spending even five minutes with Kanye West sounds exhausting. Mm. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Have you ever been around a, man- a manic, unmedicated person? It's a lot. <laughs> yes, but it still seems it would be worse with him. <laughs> it, oh, God, it really would be. He just, I know he'd just like talk at me about like fashion or beats or whatever. I, I just, I, I don't know. I can't. That said, I'm very worried about him and I hope he's doing okay mentally. <laughs> yeah. Just don't need him to be president. I feel like him and Madonna would just be like two people bitching about how they don't get enough credit. Oh, 100%. I think that's a, like, a very accurate read of that situation. Like Madonna's last tour was, she was so bitter so bitter about her instagram following and just like made a few like not jokes uh (laughs) throughout her set about how like even though other people have more instagram followers like she's a true artist or something i'm like oh that it stings it stings i think it's hard for her her to she's never been less popular than right now than at this at this moment in time and i think that it's genuinely really hard for her (laughs) I bet. Yeah, I think she's uh, not coping with it great. No. Not not at this point. I Someone someone on her team needs to change her Instagram password and needs to, <laughs> needs to vet those posts for her because 
<laughs> or keep some in the drafts because <laughs> I, I just feel like she has trouble managing her public image now. And I think it's partly because yeah. she wants to seem still hot, young and relevant. And I'm like, yeah, this is a different stage of your career. And she can't, she can't handle not being like the pop star. Right. Meanwhile, her buddy Rosie is just like doing TikToks of her daily walk with, with her, you know, senior citizen neighbor. And <laughs> everyone's like, we love Rosie. Give <laughs> more Rosie. But even like, I love, for example, like share on Twitter. Uh, like that's how you do it like that is how you apply (laughs) your sharedness or your your one named powerness to a new medium a new form of media share yelling at politicians and tweeting strings of emojis yes and excelling at it absolutely incredible saying she's gonna save the post office yes Yes. (laughs) now at one point do we remember share i think it was like shortly after trump was elected being like okay so are are we all willing to um hide immigrants in our attics (laughs) she said are you ready to anne frank a mexican yeah and so many people answered that call and they said, yes. <laughs> oh, God. This just makes me want to go on Twitter. I've been trying to stay off Twitter, but I, I've been missing out on, on Cher and all the gifts that she's been giving. She, she's amazing. But it's tough. You know, it's like Madonna. Like, I even struggle to think of like, I do think of Cher as one of Madonna's peers, but it's like, who else is there? Like, they're mostly dead, honestly. Like, yeah. Your princes, your Michael Jacksons, your George Michaels, like they're not around. Yeah. Like, like, and I do think that's partly like symptomatic of the industry, like chewing people up and spitting them out. So I have so much respect for Madonna, not just because of like her continued legacy and like her body of work, but like she's still here. She's still here. Yeah. She's still she's doing something. She's making something. I don't think the musical output as of late has been amazing, but you know. So who are we watching now? Whose music videos do we look forward to seeing? Because I feel like in the past few years, there have been some, like you mentioned early on, like Lil Nas X and um, Cardi B. Like, yes, those are ones where I'm also looking those up. They're trending uh, on Twitter is usually how I find out about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm watching full length music videos, you know, maybe once a month now. Oh, it's <laughs> so one. rare. I'll watch that's newsworthy. Um, yeah. Megan the Stallion. I like her. I loved thought shit. I think that's a great video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so well made real point of view behind it. Very funny. I thought very funny, very smart. Lil Nas X, I love the um, yes industry baby video. Yep, In- incredible. Um, I like li- I like seeing what Lizzo does. I like seeing what Cardi B does. Um, Rihanna, although I guess she hasn't put out new music for a while. TikTok, she has got to. <laughs> she doesn't need. <laughs> music anymore (laughs) well i mean she's so fenty but we need her exactly she's so successful like she doesn't need to make more music she has fenty she's a successful businesswoman and actor 
Yeah, I mean, the the videos I watch now are just like all queer, more indie artists. It's like, oh, Muna had a video with Phoebe Bridgers and it was like a But I'm a Cheerleader spoof. And that was such Allie a good video. Pankyo directed it. So, of course, I'm going to watch that video. Or like Sir Baby Girl has a video um, with um, Meg Stalter. Like, yeah, I'm going to watch that. Yeah, or Christine and the Queens, Charlie XCX. Yeah, I watch videos when I'm told to now. Like when it's like with the Lil Nas X of it all, if it's like, oh, this is a huge cultural moment and everyone's talking about it. So mm-hmm. you just yeah. got to watch the video and join in. It's either that or like the indie artists I like and follow like the the Munas, the Christine and the Queens. Um, and And I hope that there does become like a little bit, I hope like vinyl records uh, that there's a resurgence of the music video. Cause it also gave a great opportunity for uh, directors too, in terms of like creating these videos, like Madonna's early videos were um, like David Fincher directed them. Like there's some really talented people mm-hmm. like Ali Panku before she started working in, in TV. Like I think she started off in music videos and commercials. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they would say in my production classes in school. They were like, you're probably going to start off doing music videos. And this was back when those were still more of a thing. <laughs> that's right. what I wanted to be when I, when I grew up, I wanted to be a music video director. I was like, <laughs> these are the cool like like serious i used to like make music videos when i first got like video editing software i'm like okay i'm just gonna like make it's the best way to learn how to edit too yeah making a music video yeah um it's just such a fun thing to to marry that like visual um medium to a song and um it can communicate just like so much more than the song and I, I think that we do miss out on a lot because like music I don't know there's just like so much joy with music and and we miss it like, because they're less it. than two minutes now the songs because yeah. of TikTok and I hope <laughs> nice. with at least like Taylor Swift's um, re-releases and everything she's doing now we can remember that like good work can be longer than two minutes she put out a, like 10 minute song and we all ate it up mm. so let's let's stretch these songs back out again I'm so sick of the one minute and 47 second song yeah it's a uh, write, write a treatment for a music video that's everyone's, yeah, right. that's everyone's assignment tonight. Let's see the one sheet. Right. <laughs> Favorite music video of all time? Is that a crazy question to ask? That's a great question to ask. And also a tough one for me. Um, I do love the Bad Romance video. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. It tells a story, but I also just think it's so, the visuals are so stunning. It was cool to see Gaga with some money behind her for the first time. And yeah. she's wearing the fucking the armadillo shoes. <laughs> yeah. It was also a fashion moment. Um, but when I think back to like the older, I mean, uh, is it crazy to say uh what, am, what music video am I thinking of? Uh like a prayer. That's that's like mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorites. That's a good one. Yeah. for sure. Um, the Vogue music video, I love. Yeah. A lot of the old, I mean, I loved a lot of the old Michael Jackson videos, like Thriller, which did scare me a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Billie Jean, 
amazing. I don't know that I can pick just just one. I love a it's lot hard. of the old Britney. Yeah. I mean, baby, one more time. Come on, it's classic. Also, the boy is mine. Mm. Oh, Brandy and Monica. Destiny's Child one. Which one? The Destiny's Bills, Child Bills. video of uh, Bills, Bills, Bills. Was that where there was like different sets they kept moving? That was between... Say My Name. Say My Name, Say my of name. course. Yeah. That was a great video. I love that one. Or like when a movie would have a single come out and they would like marry the oh, theme like... of the movie like with um, Survivor. With oh. Will Smith with Wild Wild West. Um, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> or... or um... Was Bailemos also? Enrique? What movie was that? Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I'm thinking of Destiny, like um, Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels, yeah. Oh, Independent, independent sure. Women Independent part Woman. One? Aaliyah's Are You That Somebody? I was going to yeah. say, Are You That Somebody? Also, I love Missy Elliott's music videos. Oh, we didn't yes. even talk about Missy Elliott. Yeah. Right. What an oversight. But, um, all of them, but I especially love Hot Boys and mm. um, Get Your Freak On. Such yeah. a good one. And, and Work It. Man. Also a great video. Yeah. She's fantastic. Man. Music videos. <sighs> now I just want to like watch a bunch of music videos. There, there was one night where my friend and I just watched like all of Bjork's music video we spent just like two hours watching Bjork's music videos and then that became there was that Bjork exhibit at MoMA and there was this one room that was just playing Bjork's music videos and just had a bunch of like mm. like cushions for people to lounge on wow. and you would just spend like an hour in there just like lounging and watching Bjork but just because like it, it it's like art it's truly <laughs> an art form and um just uh, feeling nostalgic. Yeah, I think music videos could still be a great um, medium for musical artists with a really idiosyncratic and well-defined point of view. But yeah. from a promotional standpoint, it seems kind of superfluous, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, now, now the whole model is just forcing people to you know, buy tickets to a Live Nation produced show and then you automatically get a download of the album with it so that they can count it as a sale when the album actually comes out so that it debuts. It's like a whole racket. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, why why even do this? If, if everyone's doing this, it means nothing. And it's all down to, to touring and paying like $45 in fees. I sound like such an old person, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want to pay $45 in fees. Remember when you'd buy an album and then you'd go to the Virgin Megastore to get it signed? Oh, my God. <laughs> the Virgin Megastore in Times Square that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I got it signed. No, I would buy them, but I didn't know that there were signings going on at, at Virgin Megastore. I will... Here's here's a fun story. You lived story. off a Metro North stop, right? I, I did. It was easier. Yeah. 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 Here's, In your here's part of the Connecticut. story of how Ashanti blocked me on Twitter. This is <laughs> and now and this is the last thing I need to say. Anything else is yes. like fun, but this is what I need to say. And frankly, people need to hear. Um Great. Ashanti, her debut album, of course, had Foolish on it. She's like very young at this point. She's 21. Um, she's doing a signing. Of, you could get the album signed, but she had released a book of poetry. 
So she was doing like a promo tour for that. She did it at my local borders. And so I went to go get the album and the book signed by Ashanti. Years later, I like find this book of poetry in my room. I'm like, this poetry is fucking terrible. Of course it was. <laughs> it was written by a 21 year old R&B singer. Like, you know, what were the chances it was going to be good? And I, I tweeted and I, I mentioned Ashanti. I said something like, oh, Ashanti is uh, like the jewel of R&B because she also wrote a <laughs> book of terribly received poetry and she blocked me (laughs) (laughs) so uh dang i was gonna make a a jewel joke i'm like no the best poetry comes from people who used to live out of their cars in alaska (laughs) (laughs) and have a snaggle tooth yeah yeah speaking of mtv that kurt loader interview with jewel where he confronts her about her misuse of the word casualty and her book of poetry (laughs) what she something about I can't remember the exact, you know, verse, but it was like something selling, selling them with such casualty. And he's like, don't you mean casualness? Oh, wow. Kurt. And she's like, I didn't miss that one. No, I meant casualty. And he's like, okay. It's a really, (laughs) it's a really tense moment. I recommend looking it up. Kurt Kurt Loder, also gay. We love. Yeah. Never invite Kurt Loder to a party. (laughs) Well, not if you're a fucking poet. Yeah. Now I just want to compare Jewel and Ashanti's poetry. I want to read Ashanti. I don't know. It's On its face, it sounds like it could be interesting. but <laughs> That's what you should do. I'm intrigued. That's what you should do at a Diking Out live show. You should just do readings of Ashanti's. Comparative reading. Ashanti and Jewel's poetry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that's going to be our next uh, hosting bit, Melody. So we just got to get our hands on. Looking forward to it. I still Great. have that book of poetry in my room at home if you need oh, it. Oh, perfect. And then I'll just call up my uh, my ex-girlfriend and ask her if she still has her jewel poetry book. Perfect. Because <laughs> that's where I read it. Uh, <laughs> well, Pamela, this has been a joy. Where can people follow you on social media? They can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Pam Not Anderson. Not if they're Ashanti. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if you can somehow, if you know Ashanti, if you have any connection to her, please get me unblocked. Please. Yes. I will apologize to her. I just need, I need to be unblocked. Okay. You heard it, Hive Mind. How can people find out about where you're performing next? Is that usually just on your social media or do you have a website? I do have a website, but I don't update it. So I would say go to my, go to my Instagram stories and yeah, that's the easiest way to to keep up to date. Follow Pam. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for coming on and diking out about music videos. Thanks Pam. Thank you for having me. You know, we're talking about music videos, MTV. Wasn't the show Loveline on MTV or was that not an MTV show? Am I making that up? I am typing that in to Google. Sorry to be unprofessional because that just struck a nerve and it was I MTV. vaguely remember it. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, an advice show with, uh, you know, Drew Pinsky and Adam Carolla. So a, oh. a a doctor who has a very questionable reputation and an idiot. A so moron. I would like to think that we are better than that. And that is why we're doing we're better than a doctor. We're giving uh, advice 
at the end of this episode, like every episode, let's get into our listener question, Mel. Okay, Delilah. Um, <laughs> this week's question goes like this. I landed a new job in a new city this year when I moved in with my partner. There's been an unexpected amount of business travel and my employers keep rooming me with single women and think that's okay. They're pairing by genitalia despite my being out and obviously gay. If I were single, I wouldn't care. I'd think, cool, I get to see some boobies and ass since I'm going to be sharing a room with this woman for a week. (laughs) Hell yeah. However, I'm in a serious relationship and we're discussing marriage and we are both monogamous. None of the men in charge of all these arrangements can see the issue despite me attempting to explain. They will quickly admit that if they're roomed with a woman, they're straight, that their wives would throw their shit out before they even got back from the business trip. Am I making too big a deal of this or are they being asshats? You know, I was debating cutting out the line that was like... I've been cool. Maybe I get to see some boobies and ass. Don't do that. Don't objectify it. That's not cool. Even if you're single to be like, yes, I get to room with one of my colleagues. Maybe I'll see their boobs and ass. And then I laughed and said, (laughs) you're like, yeah, "Yeah." (laughs) but I want everyone to know I was just thrown off. I get these listener questions blind a lot of the time. (laughs) I don't endorse unwanted lesbian advances on straight women yes no i kept it in just to be like come on listener we're we're better than that um you know business trips like you should be getting your own room i I don't care what the company is they should be rooming people separately and not doubling up people i have not heard of that for any type of like real business like i worked for a company that was pretty sketch right out of college like it it was very small it was a startup the guy running the show was very questionable I got my own room every time I traveled (laughs) like I never I never had to share with someone um but but it is like so so yes that's not cool at all and you're not making too big of a deal about it because nobody should be uh should be sharing rooms but I I also think like (laughs) you You need to do a little bit of like introspection. I don't know, like why, like if I had to share a room with a single woman, I wouldn't be like, "Ooh, no, something might happen. I can't because I'm married." That's like, what I was thinking. Yeah, like you, what what's wrong that you can't be cool around? <laughs> you can't keep it uh platonic and professional, like. You you need to work on your boundaries, listener. Don't be violently horny. I um yeah. It's a work trip for God's sake. Um, get it together. No. Um, yeah. It's so weird that in COVID times, especially that they're pairing people up too. Yeah, traveling more than you expected. One person can be a lot more safe and take more precaution than the other. Yet right. then they both have to come and share air in that room. No. Right. It's also a thing like with work and stuff. I don't know, like people snore, people fart in their sleep. Like you don't want to yes. be doing that yes, around I do. colleagues. Yeah, that's that's not. Yeah, right. Wow. A great situation. So that policy needs to be like, I don't know if you have HR or something, but I would raise a flag about that. But but also um, maybe you need to find a way just like just for non-work trips, like a friend trip or something like that, like be able to, you know, share a room with someone and not have it automatically be sexual i i don't know like 
I'm not sure this listener's background, but like in a lot of cultures, like people share rooms all the time. Like, yeah. And and there's nothing sexual about it. I remember, though, I was in a hostel and it was a co-ed hostel. And for some reason, I thought like, oh, it'll be fine. I'll be in like a nine person room. So I'll be okay. I was by myself. Um, And this older guy was in the hostel and he kept commenting on how like weird it was and was giving me like creepy vibe. I'm like, what do you mean how weird this is where you like you signed up for a hostel? It's like a bunch of people. You're weird. And he was like this married man. And after I went to sleep, he um he woke me up while I was sleeping and said he wanted to have sex with me. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was like one of the scariest nights of my life because I'm like, I'm about to get raped. Um, But I like screamed no. Uh, and he like backed off and went back to his bed. But then I was like, like sweating in fear and like could not sleep. And got your money back. Well, I hope. No, and- nobody else came into the room. That was the th- I was like, oh, I'll be you know, safety in numbers. No, it was just the two of us in this nine person Yikes. room. And it was terrifying. That has nothing to do with the listener question. But, no. but like, but, but like, I guess that's like how like there are. I guess there are some people who assume that just because you're sharing a room together, that sex is on the table. Don't um, be that guy. No, don't be that guy. Don't in that, particular that guy, that guy. I curse him to this day. I I hate that dude. He mm-hmm. sucks. Fuck that. He's married. So sorry. He's married and had kids. Oh, that's like. <laughs> no, it's not like. That's like the Airbnb host who got in the bed with me and groped me. <laughs> And then blamed it on CBD cigarettes the next day. I did get my money back for that. <laughs> and got her kicked off of Airbnb. And she still finds me on the internet to curse me out about it. Hi, Kim. Um, anyways. Yeah. Um, Go to HR. Don't. If I were single, I wouldn't care. I'd think, cool. I'd have, <laughs> you don't have to be single. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That that that's like slightly less problematic than the fact that you're being asked to to share hotel rooms with coworkers. I know, right? But I don't know. Weigh, weigh in, listeners. Like, do you work for companies? Is, is this something is this I've never? Thing? Yeah, I've worked at a lot of places, a lot of ad agencies. I've traveled like as a freelancer. I've traveled not, and I've never been asked to to share a room with somebody. So sound off yeah just for road gigs like comedians will share a hotel room but it's like that is nothing has ever been ethical about how any of the stand-up comedy business is conducted so right right i expect that from the dirt bags that book clubs not from like your typical day job yeah, your business travel, it doesn't sound like you're you're like a roadie in a band. Like, right. <laughs> uh, unless, yes, there are some industries where you might have to share uh, rooms and whatnot. But it, it sounds, I don't know, based on your vague description that this is not one of them. Anyway, if you have uh, a question for us, send it to dykingout at gmail.com. Uh, we love getting your questions. And if you're a patron, your question goes to the top of our list. You can follow us on social media everywhere at Diking Out. You can follow yeah. me at TGI Carolyn. You can follow me at Melody Kamali. Thank you so much for Diking Out. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. Thank you, all of the thanks. So really. grateful. We love you. We'll see you next Tuesday.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.